At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. In the second segment, we are going to be chatting with one of our good friends, Justin Perry. He does a great job over at Shock Quality Bets, and for those of you guys that like the fact that the Greg Peterson experience is now five days a week, he joins me every very late Wednesday, very, very early Thursday to break down the MLB card as a little bit of a round panel that we wound up doing on that show as well. We're going to be taking a look at some of the big favorites for this Sunday by you want to be finding ways to be able to reduce the juice just a tad if you like them. And some of the teams in general that are standing out to us and get a little bit of a roundup on both New York teams along the way. In the final segment, I'll be giving you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MOE Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let our CM name does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that is fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're before whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. If I have that five star review, a little bit of a reminder that this podcast today is brought to you by Prop 27 and DraftKings. Californians, they've been stuck out in the cold a little bit with sports betting because there are so many folks out there in cities like New York, Portland, Phoenix, you're able to go down the line, Chicago, obviously, Philadelphia, that they've got legal sports betting online. You currently don't have that in the great state of California. 
California. Prop 27 helps out California. They get away from the shady bookmakers. They're able to bet legally online. So vote yes on Prop 27. Help out California. And let's help you guys out being able to fill you in on everything that we want to see on the Diamond on Saturday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Hey, the DK Nation pick finally came through as... The Boston Red Sox were singing the blues because Brady Singer held them scoreless 9-0 the final. Just all about the Kansas City Royals and the spot is for Singer. Six scoreless innings as he is 7-1 the Royals are in his last eight starts. The Royals in that span, 7-23 in the last 30 games started by anyone not named Brady Singer. And then Brad Keller... Carlos Hernandez, Anthony Machevich, all in a squirrel setting. Royals go 7 of 18 with men in scoring position. No home runs, but they hit Rich Hill, and they hit him pretty hard. He gave up four runs in four and two-thirds innings, and this was not a good debut for our good friend Frank German. In his big league debut, this is not what his parents wanted to see. He gave up four runs and got zero outs. He now has an infinite ERA. Yeah, feel for that guy. Edward Bizzardo, though, two scoreless settings, Ryan Brazier. He gets an out of the bullpen, and Tyler Danish gives up one run in two innings, so domination by the Kansas City Royals. Appears as though the Orioles have ran out of steam in terms of trying to make a push for the playoffs. 6-3. The Blue Jays get it done as Jose Barrios. Good start. Two runs given up in six innings. And for Mr. Barrios, he has now given up two runs or fewer in, I believe, now three out of his last five starts. So things are looking better. Tim Meza, Jordan Romano, both lend a scroll setting. Emi Garcia gets a trio of strikeouts but gives up a run in his inning of work. And for the Blue Jays, no home runs, but they go two of seven with men in scoring position as they got to Kyle Bradish. Bradish, five runs, three of which were earned, given up in four and two-thirds innings. He's got an ERA north of six. In his starts against Toronto this season, Jake Reed gets one out of the bullpen while allowing a run, though. D.L. Hall, Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, they all end a scoreless inning. The Chicago White Sox in 11 innings take down the Detroit Tigers. This is what they need to keep pace with the Guardians that were solid on Saturday. We'll get into them in a minute, but 4-3 to three the final. Davis Martin makes the unexpected start for the Chicago White Sox, giving up just one run in six innings. From there, Joe Kelly, Reynaldo Lopez, Liam Hendricks, all land a scoreless inning. Kendall Graveman gives up a run in an inning, and Aaron Bummer gives up an unearned run in extra innings as well. But for the White Sox, they go 3-12 with men in scoring position. Not a lot of hits in this game, despite the fact that the game wound up going 11 innings. He had just 10 total hits as... Eduardo Rodriguez was relatively solid. Two runs surrendered in six and a third innings. Jason Foley, a pair of outside the bullpen. Wolf Vest, Jose Cicerno, Alex Lang all deliver a scoreless setting. And then Gregory Soto in the 11th. It has not been a good run for him recently. Two runs, one of which were earned, surrendered. The Washington Nationals, they have scored five-plus runs in now 12 out of their last 17 games in the Miami Marlins. Three runs are fewer in 32 out of their last 38. Five to three. The Nationals able to get it done as Jarrier Encarnacion gets home run number three of the season off of Eric Fetty Wap. Wap gives up three runs over the course of four innings. I call him Wap instead of Fetty, which I find hilarious. I just make him synonymous with Fetty Wap at this point. But a bullpen from there for Washington was tremendous. Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, all Monday scoreless setting, and Irasimo Ramirez gives two scoreless settings as for the Washington Nationals. Lots of home runs in this one as Victor Robles, home run number five of the season. Luke Voigt is 21st of the campaign. Lane Thomas was able to go deep for his 16th home run season, and we're calling upon Alex Call for his fourth home run of the campaign as for Miami. 
Trevor Rogers was yanked after one inning. He was dealing with ailment and in general was not pitching well. Gave up one of those home runs, giving up two runs in total over the course of that inning. From there, you have to rely upon Jeff Brigham as a bulk guy going three innings. He gives up two runs, including two of those home runs. Cole Solzer gives up a solo home run while getting one out of the bullpen. Now, credit where credit is due. Jake Fishman, three and two-thirds innings, scoreless out of the pen. He looked very solid, but not ideal for the Miami Marlins on Saturday. Not ideal for the Chicago Cubs as a Colorado Rockies team has struggled all season long. This was just their 23rd road win of the season. They get it done 3-1 to in the finals. Jose Reina. Back-to-back really good starts out of him. He gives up one run in six innings. Nelson Lamette, Carlos Aceves, Daniel Bart deliver a scoreless inning. And Hayden Wesneski came in for the Cubs and delivered a great start. One run surrendered in seven innings, but Eber Aloze. He has not been good for the Cubs throughout his career. He got five strikeouts in two innings, but allowed two runs along the way as the Cubs. And he stranded ten men on base. So... That was not too terrific. This was not terrific for the Astros as Jose Arikidi got shelled by the Oakland A's. 8-5 to five the final for Arikidi. Gives up six runs in six innings, including a pair of jacks. Chad Pinder, 12th home run season. Seth Brown, his 23rd home run season. And for Cole Irvin, he gave up a trail of bombs as well, giving up four runs in seven innings, taking him deep. Jordan Alvarez, his fourth home run in the last two games, and I believe he's now got six home runs in his last six, 37th of the campaign, which actually came off of A.J. Puck as for Mr. Puck, he gave up that solo run in his inning of work. Domingo Acevedo, a scoreless inning, but in terms of the home runs that Irvin gave up, Trey Boomer Mancini, 18th of the season, Alamandi Zias, his 12th, and Kyle Tucker is 28th. From there for the Houston bullpen, Brian Abreu and Will Smith both allow a run and an inning. Hector Neris, a scoreless inning, so the A's as a big underdog. They're able to get it done. The Tampa Bay Rays, they get the W against the Texas Rangers by a count of 5-1 to for 55 shades of John Gray. He gives up two runs in four and a third inning. Spent quite a bit of time on the injured list. Taylor Earn then surrenders two runs in two and a third innings, including a bomb to Taylor Walls. Walls, his seventh home run season. Dennis Santana has to clean up the final four outs, giving up a run along the way. And lone form of offense for Texas, Jonah Heim. Gets his 15th home run season off a of bulk guy, Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough gives up that home run in his three innings of work. Sean Armstrong, he starts things off by getting the first five outs of the game, not allowing a run. Javi Guerra gets it out of the bullpen, but then Jalen Beeks, two scoreless innings. Brooks Raley, Jason Adam, they both supply a scoreless inning. As both now have a sub-2 ERA that wound up cleaning up the back half of that game. We had a pair of double dips on Saturday as well with... The Guardians and the Twins having a marathon game two. We'll get in game one first, which was a little bit more traditional. Five to one, the Guardians got the job done in game one as Louis Varlin gave up four runs over the course of five innings with the Guardians taking him deep once. Jose Ramirez, home run 28 of the season as the Guardians left 10 men on base, but didn't matter because Shane Bieber, he had a fever for getting outs. Gave up one solo run in the course of his eight innings going deep. Home run number one of the campaign for Matt Walner as the Twins have been quite banged up. So they had some funky bunch lineups in both of these games. Manuel Classe, eight pitches, eight strikes. He gets a scoreless setting in for Minnesota. Aron Sanchez goes three innings. He allows one run. And then game two, these teams had to dive very deep. The Guardians, they get it done in 15 innings by a count of seven to six. As Josh Winder was not long for this game, giving up four runs in four and two-thirds innings, giving up a home run to Amit Rosario, home run number 10 of the campaign, and he had all four of the Guardians' RBI before he wound up going to extra innings as he also wound up having Giovanni Morin come in for one and a third innings, scoreless Emilio Pagan. He got four outs, he gave up one run, and then 
Orde Lopez goes one and two-thirds innings, scoreless. Michael Fulmer, Griffin Jacks may give up nothing in their scoreless innings. And then Derek Rodriguez, cast off of the Giants, had to go three and two-thirds innings, allowing two unearned runs in extras as the Guardians left 20. Count of 20 men on base and got the win. It's Connor Bilkington. Really good start. Five and two-thirds innings, scoreless. Nick Sandlin, Sam Entages. They both come in for two-thirds of an inning as Entages allows an under run. Trevor Steven was the albatross in the bullpen, giving up three runs, two of which were earned in a third of an inning. James Karinczak, he allowed a home run in his third of an inning of work as it was Nick Gordon who got his eighth home run CCSC Twins. They go three of 21 with men in scoring position in this one as Eli Morgan and Yel De Los Santos both offer a scoreless inning. Brian Shaw, two scoreless innings, and then Kirk McCarty in super long relief. Three innings, he gives up an unrun run in a game number two that pretty much sealed the end of the Minnesota Twins season, and that causes for the Chicago White Sox win to be all the more critical on Saturday, as he also did wind up seeing the LA Angels get a 2-1 win against the Seattle Mariners, as for Seattle, not a lot doing on offense. You had home run number four of the campaign from Taylor Trammell, but Past that, nobody was able to get to Shoy Otani as Otani goes seven scoreless settings, punches out eight. I made but he allowed that solemn run in his inning of work, and then Aaron Loop scoreless setting as for Otani. He wound up having an RBI extra base hit off of George Kirby. A lot of two runs in six settings. Eric Swanson and Matt Brash from there were both able to offer scoreless settings for the Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals who played the other double dip. Game two also wound up being lengthy for them as Cardinals, they also win by a cut of five to one in game number one. Mike Miner, major disappointment. He allows five runs in three innings, including a bomb, as it was Yadier Molina who got home run number five of the season. Bullpen from there was fine. Hunter Strickland, scoreless inning, and Kyle Doughty, four scoreless innings. But for the Cincinnati Reds, not a lot doing against Dakota Hudson. Eight innings, giving up one unearned run along the way. He wound up having a throwing error of his own as Andre Pallotti. He provides a scoreless inning, and then the offenses in game number two, they were not able to get going. St. Louis wins by a count of one to zero in a game that featured both teams going a combined one for 17 with men in scoring position. Paul Goldschmidt, a sacrifice ground out that was induced by an error, leads to the game ending in the 11th inning. It's Jose Kitana was terrific. Two hits allowed in eight scoreless innings. Ryan Elsley, Giovanni Gallegos, and Stephen Matz, yes, he's still around for the Cardinals, all provide a scoreless inning. And then Hunter Green, how about this start? Coming off the injured list, 11 punch-outs in six scoreless innings. Revier, Sam Martin, Buck Farmer, they provide a combined two scoreless innings. Alexis Diaz gives two scoreless innings. And then you wind up having the unearned run allowed by Fernando Cruz in the 11th inning as Aaron wound up leading that, so... Not too terrific on that front end for the Cincinnati Reds. Continues to be a rather long season for them. The Milwaukee Brewers, they make things all the more difficult for the Yankees. 4-1. to one. Brewers get it done. It's James Tatian. Not a good start. Four runs surrendered in five innings, including a home run to William Thomas. Back-to-back days for a home run for Thomas. 30th home run of the season. From there, Ron Medanakio, Aroldis Chapman, and Greg Weisert provide a scoreless setting, but for the New York Yankees, lone form of offense in this game, Josh Donaldson, his 15th home run season, and second home run in the last two games as Brandon Woodruff, he loves his home run in eight innings, punching out 10. He has been very good since coming off the injured list, and then Devin Williams, a scoreless setting to close it out. The only Dodgers and close things out very easily against the San Francisco Giants. 7-2, the finalist Julio Arias gives up one run in his six innings of work, giving up a home run to Wilmer Flores, 19th home run of the campaign. From there, Tommy Canley and Chris Martin combined for two scoreless innings, and Justin Brule lends a scoreless inning for the LA Dodgers. Trace Thompson 
11th home run season. That comes off of Sean Hajeli as Hajeli. He came in for one inning and he gave up six runs, all of which were earned. He was supposed to be the boat guy. And boy, that did not go as planned as John Brebbia got the open in this game. He pitches a scoreless inning. Junior Marte and Cole Waits delivering a scoreless inning as well. And for Jarlon Garcia, three scoreless innings out of him. Alex Young, he lends two innings. He gives up just one run, but Mr. Ajeli having his ERA go up to a 975 in this one wound up costing the team the game as prior to this, his ERA was a 573. So that was not a terrific showing out of him. Not a good showing from the Arizona Diamondbacks offense either. 2-0, the Padres shut him out as for the Padres. Joe Musgrove was really on his game. He provides six scoreless innings, punching out eight. Nick Martinez provides two scoreless innings. And then Josh Hader, 33rd save of the season. I believe his fourth straight appearance without allowing a run. And it was home run number one of the season for young catcher Luis Campusano. Campusano goes deep off Zach Allen, who still had a solid showing. Five and a third innings, gives up two runs. He has a sub-2 ERA over the course of his last seven starts. He has been impressive, but gives up those two runs in five and a third innings, so he takes a loss. Caleb Smith, two and two-thirds innings, scoreless, and Mark Melanson, scoreless setting, but for the years and the Diamondbacks, they squander Zach Gallon giving another start of three runs or fewer, as I believe every one of his starts post all-star break is giving up three runs or fewer because he just could get absolutely nothing going on offense. The Atlanta Braves got just enough going on offense to get the W, 4-3. They overcome the Philadelphia Phillies as Aaron Ola, not super in this one. Gives up four runs in his seven innings, including Ronald Acuna Jr.'s home run, his 13th of the campaign. For Jake Odorizzi, not a lot of length, but it was efficient. One run surrendered in four and two-thirds innings, the only from there. Gets it out of the bullpen. Colin McHugh and A.J. Minter combined for two innings. Both give up a run apiece. Rossi Iglesias and Kenley Jansen, they come in in the eighth and ninth inning. Both go scoreless to be able to get it done as for the Philadelphia Phillies. Two of ten with men in scoring position. The New York Metropolitans, they get the win against the Pittsburgh Pirates 5-1 as Bryce Wilson. Four runs surrendered in five and a third innings, including a home run to Eduardo Escobar. 18th home run season. Chris Bassett had a hook, line, and sinker. Six scoreless innings. David Peterson, namesake of myself, he gives up a solo home run in two and a third innings as it was Rodolfo Castro. That took him deep for his 10th home run in the campaign. And then Adam Adovino, pair of outside the bullpen for Pittsburgh. Eric Stout, pair of outside the bullpen. And Chase Young, he goes two innings. He allows two runs along the way. So, had a great day of baseball on Saturday. And if you're taking a look at baseball overall for the season, it has been intriguing to take a look at these betting splits in general. It's overall for the season. We've seen 51.9% of games go under the total 1,065 unders and 988 overs. We've been seeing quite a few unders recently. I'll get into that in a second, but favorites overall for the season, 1302 and 855. That is a 60.4% hit rate to the favorite, but home teams have been unable to cover the spread as 816 and 529 is the record from favorites, so hitting at 60.7%, but among these home favorites, we've now seen 251 fail to cover the run line. We really have been seeing that over the last seven days, as in the last seven days, 53 unders to 34 overs, 60.9% clip to the under end. Home favorites in this time span, they've won 33 and 23, but 11 of them have failed to cover the run line in the last seven days. And if you're taking a look at a little bit of a bigger sample size, last 60 days, 386 unders to 358 overs. That is 51.9% to the under and home favorites in this time span. 293 and 169, that is 63.4%. But among these 293 home favorites, 83 
have failed to cover the run line. So that's where we're seeing Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Saturday. Coming up next, we take a look at Sunday's games and the state of New York with both the Mets and the Yankees with Justin Perry Vodchecker next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time, with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and great to be joined by our guest. It's Justin Perry. He does absolutely amazing work as a handicapper of all sorts. As for those of you guys that like college basketball, he does great work with shot quality bets. He joins me every typically Wednesday on the Greg Peterson experience as well on VSIN as a part of our baseball round table. Does an amazing job being able to handicap the sport and you're able to follow him on Twitter at Justin Perry and the number eight last name is spelled P-E-R-R-I and Justin, it is always a pleasure to have you aboard my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Greg, it's always a great time to chat a little baseball. Excited for hoop season, man. It is right around the corner. I know that's what they call you, so I can't wait to have a couple shows together, talk a little bit about what we're seeing on the court, just as we do on the diamond. 
I am very much looking forward to it as well. It's going to be an amazing season. And what else is amazing is taking a look at what we're going to be getting in the postseason as well as this Braves versus Mets postseason race is very hot and heavy. No question. The Mets, they've got a little bit more of a favorable schedule, but I still think that the Atlanta Braves, even if they don't wind up winning the division, I like them a little bit more long-term. And even if you're taking a look at odds to be able to win the division, because this is really the lone one that is up for grabs at this point, the Cleveland Guardians seem to be running away with the AL Central. It would take a Herculean feat from a team like the White Sox or the Minnesota Twins to be able to catch them. But I take a look at this Atlanta Braves team. I just continue to be impressed by them night in and night out. And for the New York Mets, though they do have a lot of easier games, they just have looked shaky in general. And it's not saying that the Mets are a bad team. I think that we just need to give credit where credit is due to Atlanta for being absolutely incredible since the beginning of the month of June. Yeah, they're a scary team, Greg. There's no way around it, right? They have the pitching, they have the relieving, and they have the hitting. Uh, They have a talented roster. They know how to use their best players, and they clearly have the chemistry to make a run on any team. I think this brave squad in a seven-game series to anybody is going to look scary. And if you're the Mets right now, I think you're, you know, it's a very different feeling if you're a fan, if you're just from the city of New York like I am, you know, the, the vibe has changed a little bit. People are definitely worried the Mets don't look the way they did in the beginning of the season. Look, a lot of teams, it's hard to play 162 games and then go on and win, like, what, 16 more? I don't know how many it is now with the new wild card, depending on when people come in, but it's not easy. It might be 12, but yeah. I agree with you. I do think that just taking a look at the postseason in general, it is going to be a fascinating to see the Atlanta Braves because you are fearing sort of the back half of the rotation. And once we get to the postseason, they'll be able to exclude Jake Odorizzi from that because they could go really from five men to four men. So that should give them something very formidable. And for the New York Mets, I just fear health with them in general because Jacob DeGrom is amazing when he's fully healthy. And we're going to see him on Sunday. I think that both of us have the same read on that game against Pittsburgh Pirates with the Mets being minus 450. No doubt Jacob DeGrom should be a sizable favorite, but making darn near anyone a minus 450 favorite when you've got two professional baseball teams going at it is just ridiculous. But for the Mets, if you don't have a fully healthy Max Scherzer because he's been making rehab appearances as well, you've had Tyler McGill out for darn near much of the season. Carlos Carrasco has been dealing with ailments. That is my big concern with the New York Mets because you've got a lot of talented arms, but you've got a lot of arms that have a very long track record of not being able to stay out there on the field as well. Oh, of course. And I think we've talked about it all season. It's all going to be, can these New York Mets keep their arms healthy? And and is the offense going to produce the types of runs we have seen them put together in spurts? But it's all a question mark. I mean, I know right now Scherzer is trying to come back. I think he probably will get some quality innings in during the postseason for this club. But, you know, DeGrom pitching tomorrow, like you said, plus 340 I'm seeing right now on FanDuel for any team. I think you're probably taking. It's just a tough sell. And I think the books are very quick to line it up this way because you know what? The Mets probably do win. It's not 4.5 out of what, every 5.5 times or something? Like It's not going to be like that. That's a lot of wins. And the Pittsburgh Pirates can surprise you. And the Mets can also fall flat. So we've seen it a lot. And again, it all depends, I think, for me on how the Saturday night game when we're recording this, how that kind of goes just because it's important to see how the bullpens come out, what the lineups look like, especially on Sundays. But yeah, plus 340 looks good. I'm actually seeing north of that. I'm seeing between plus 360 and plus 370. It just keeps going up and up and up. And I love Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom 
in my opinion, should even be a $3 favorite here. I'm willing to go north of $3. Minus $4.50, we have just went too far. So I feel like we're in lockstep on that one. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Justin Perry. He does a great job over at Shot Quality Bets. And when it comes to the other New York team, they are in a crucial series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, they draw a man that is synonymous with New York. And Jason Alexander, problem is, it's the wrong Jason Alexander. We loved his role at George Costanza. Jason Alexander, the pitcher of the Milwaukee Brewers, has not been great. A pitcher contact guy that gives out four walks per nine innings. That is not too terrific. Garrett Cole, in my opinion, has been the most overpriced pitcher for the New York Yankees all season long. He's coming in at minus 170 to minus 175. But honestly, I don't hate this price for the Yankees. I was heartbroken when the New York Yankees wanted to blow in the five-run lead on Friday to the Milwaukee Brewers. It still is a little bit more suspect, but I like the way that they've been playing the last two weeks prior to that loss on Friday. They had won eight out of their last ten games, and it feels like the Yankees are starting to find themselves. And I think the big thing with the Yankees is they have the pitching to be able to hold down the fort. It's just being able to get any sort of help whatsoever for Aaron Judge. Literally the story of the last two months, right? Who is going to step up and and actually like create win scenarios for this team? Like whether that's strong pitching or it's like you know somebody to back them up in the order. It's just it's been very tough, and we know that this team relies a lot on placing. I guess, reliable base runners, people who are going to get on base in front of guys like Judge and Stanton. And the problem is that really hurting without DJ LeMahieu. I mean, I know he's been taking some swings in the batting cages, but that's a big bat in my mind right now. Getting like consistent presence on the base paths in front of Judge has just been absent in the last couple of weeks. But you know what? I still, I think I agree with you. I think getting this price for Cole is, is pretty solid considering where we used to see him in terms of price range for games like this. I know that we've seen some runs scored between these two teams in the last times that they've met. So I think that's probably another area we can look to because we know that the Brewers are pretty strapped with their bullpen right now. It has not been a pretty sight for their pitching. So I wouldn't hate the Yankees. A spread isn't the worst idea tomorrow on the road, but also just team totals to go over and maybe the first five or the whole game. I think they're going to get some runs. I think so as well. And for the Yankees, even in the loss that they took on Friday, they were able to get some runs. But Frankie Montas has been a sizable downgrade to what they could have had in Jordan Montgomery instead as a trade that is not working out for the New York Yankees right now. And that really has been so much of the demise for the New York Yankees. And ironically enough, Jordan Montgomery, he goes on Sunday for the St. Louis Cardinals, about a minus 260 to a minus 265 favor for the Cardinals. Once again, I think the Cardinals should be able to win that game. I don't know if I'm seeing a ton of value on the Reds' money line, but as a situation where you want to reduce the juice, bet Jordan Montgomery to get a win, some sort of a team total, you're able to go down the line. Don't play the minus 260 to a minus 265, but have been highly impressed by Jordan Montgomery. Last start out against the Milwaukee Brewers, not too terrific, but I feel like that was a bit of a turning point for both of these teams. For the Cardinals, they were down in the NL Central prior to getting Jordan Montgomery. Yankees were starting to teeter-totter a little bit, but after they traded Jordan Montgomery, things went downhill, and Harrison Bader has played as many games as the two of us for the New York Yankees. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery has a sub-2 ERA since he's went to St. Louis. It's definitely a little haunting for Yankee fans to watch Montgomery pitch like everyone hoped he could all year for us. And he's 
pitching mad is kind of how it feels coming from someone with no actual perspective on the matter. But he was upset when he was traded, right? He loved being on the Yankees. He had family ties here. He had a life in New York. So I know that there has been some tension and then Bader hasn't exactly been playing. You know, he hasn't played. And, you know, I know he's trying to get on the field and the Yankees do need a nice center field presence but it is just hurting to watch Montgomery go out there and time and again shut teams down, go six, seven, maybe even eight innings. I know he had like a complete game shutout as well. So like it's been great for Montgomery. And I'm on him again tomorrow. I think you got to find ways to play him. I think looking at things like hits under or maybe strikeouts over, he's been just pitching very nicely. And it's not like the Reds are much of a competition. He'll go out there and he should get it done. And even a walks prop as well, because most books set a uh, boilerplate one and a half walks for darn near every starting pitcher. Jordan Montgomery has been one of the most accurate guys in the league. He has been issuing about two walks per nine innings, actually a little bit less than that. That's something that you're able to take a look at as well. So there's a lot of ways to reduce the juice. I do like the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday. I don't like minus 265. So no. I think that that's important to note as joining me on the podcast. Justin Perry does great work over at Jack Quality Bets is joining me. And when it comes to the Sunday slate, it's a little bit of a strange one because we've got a lot of big favorites. We outlined the St. Louis Cardinals, the New York Mets. No question, the Houston Astros clocking in at a minus 360. We're starting to get some unpalatable numbers. But here's a game in which you've actually got a respectable Number with the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins, a pivotal game for both. It is a pick'em. Cody Morris going for Cleveland, Joe Ryan for Minnesota. And not sure of your evaluations of Joe Ryan, but I take a look at him so different home to road. With Joe Ryan, he has been very good in Minnesota. On the road, it's been terrible. And for Cleveland, Morris is starting to get stretched out, but you're really banking on the bullpen of the Cleveland Guardians, which I don't think is a bad bet because the Cleveland Guardians, post all-star break, they've got the number one bullpen area in the big leagues. Being able to get the Cleveland Guardians at a relative pick price, this is something that I like for Sunday. I'm not sure where you stand on this one, but I will take the Cleveland Guardians bullpen, essentially, against Joe Ryan. Yeah, I think fading Joe Ryan in an away game here is probably the way to do it. These Guardians have shown why they are running away with the AL Central. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty into this being a, a tough-fought game. Ryan giving up a few. He's coming off of a pretty nice start, right? He looked great, again, like you said, at home against the Royals. Probably some easier competition compared to what he's going to see. And the Guardians have a formidable team and have seen Ryan twice already this season. The first time was a little bit tougher than the second, but this could be the third time that they faced him. It could be a little bit worse for Ryan. And and like you said, it's not like Cody Morris is going to be able to do five, six innings of work. He'll probably go four and then the bullpen will take over. But this is still going to be a pretty good spot for like a first five on the Guardians if you want to take the the run line, a first five run line to come out in the first half of this one. I kind of like that play. I'm not really too sure how the end of this one's going to look. I think that's going to be a little bit much of a toss up. I'm more okay with like trusting Morris for the first four innings, getting like a fifth inning, like mini save and, and hoping that Joe Ryan lets a few up. I do think that Joe Ryan is going to do his part, let a few up with a total between seven half and eight. I also do like this total over. So we are sort of on the same page there. And when it comes to the slate in general for Sunday, Justin, anything else that is standing out to you, whether it be something that you're going to be taking a look at overnight or something that you might not wind up betting on, but you just want to see how a team is looking going into the postseason because now we're at the point where two and a half weeks away from postseason baseball and 
boy, oh, boy, that is going to be sweet when we wind up getting those postseason games. Yeah, it is. And look, I think for most of the year, I preach not betting on Sundays, really. But this is starting to be the time where the markets start to loosen up a little bit because football is on and there's a lot less attention being paid to the baseball game. And you're not going to find like soft lines per se, but you're going to be able to find spots that maybe you don't mid-season when baseball is the only thing on TV. I'm looking at the Royal starter, Mr. Chris Bubik, and he hasn't been too good, Greg. We've, we've talked about him a lot. And I think that the Red Sox to score three runs over two and a half in the first five at DraftKings right now is minus 135. It's a little steep, but I don't know. This is not exactly an easy park to pitch in. Bubik has not been anywhere near respectable for a long time. I think the Red Sox, who are still kind of, you know, I wouldn't say they're they're playing. They're still playing out here. You know, they're not necessarily going to be making anything, but they still have to go out there and put on a show for their fans in Boston. It's a baseball town. They got to beat the Royals. So I think that they're going to get this on a Sunday. And I think that over two and a half minus 135 probably expect three to be out there. I know most books do half runs on this one, but the price might get steeper or it might jump to three and a half. And to your point on the Kansas City Royals, when Brady Singer has started for the team, they are seven and one in his last eight starts. All other pitchers in that span, seven and 23. Brady Singer has been a good bet for the Royals. Everyone not named Brady Singer has been a relatively good fade and to your point, I always call him Chris with a K. Bubich has not been too terrific. So I'm in lockstep with you. And Justin, it is always great to have you aboard on this podcast. I know that you do amazing work over at Shot Quality Bets. On top of that, you join me on the Greg Peterson Experience every Wednesday. You do amazing work taking a look at college basketball, baseball, list goes on and on. So love the good people at home. Know how they're able to follow you on social media. And what's all on tap for you? It's a busy time for me. You can follow me at Justin Perry 8 on Twitter. But the big place to be paying attention to is probably at Shop Quality Bets. That's where I'm doing a lot of my betting work right now. We are developing a new generation of betting tools using predictive data from shotquality.com, creating betting tools to show expected results versus real ones in like live time. So really excited to be debuting that in just a few weeks, probably. We'll definitely talk about it a little more, Greg, but always happy to be here. Excited to talk to you on Wednesday. And until then, uh, I hope you're well. Same to you, Justin. Justin joins me on the Greg Peterson Experience, which is now every Monday through Friday out there on the East Coast on VEASAN. And Justin, he does amazing work every single time he joins me. He did so once again today. Justin Perry always delivers right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television 
today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Justin Perry aboard. He does a great job over there with shot quality bets. He joins me every week on VSIM, being able to take a look at the game of baseball. I know that he joins the roundtable for myself on the Greg Peterson Experience, which is out midnight to 3 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And it is always a pleasure to get him on this podcast. A big thanks to Justin for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNNRNS481. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and the Interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in. 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. As Anibal Sanchez is going to be going for the Nats. And Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for Miami. Miami, a sizable favor between minus 170 and minus 175. Between plus 150 and 158 is your number on Washington. 7.5 is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. The Nationals have scored five-plus runs in now 12 out of their last 17 games. It's a remarkable run. Meanwhile, the Miami Marlins, they have been held at three or fewer in 32 out of their last 38 games. So, got two offenses going in opposite directions. I did wind up saying my total at 6.4. And for the Washington Nationals, I have no idea how. They've won 5-1 and one in Anibal Sanchez's last six starts. And the only reason why they wound up losing the game against the Philadelphia Phillies is that they imploded late. But... 
I do think that there's going to be negative regression with Anibal Sanchez. He's got a six home ERA across five starts. He has given up eight home runs in 27 innings when he's been at home. Opponents are just a 240 off of him, but his walks per nine rate overs in the neighborhood of four and a half. And then for Sandy Alcantara, he has been a little bit more shaky on the road. For Alcantara, he just has seen his numbers decline a little bit. He has now given up at least three runs in four out of his last six starts, and I believe five out of his last eight. So for Sandy Alcantara, you can tell that the innings are just starting to get to him. He's thrown over 200 in total. He has been the biggest workhorse in baseball, 338 road ERA compared to a buck 67 home ERA, but I still think he's going to do a solid job against the Washington Nationals team that they've got really two guys with more than 12 home runs this season, and Lane Thomas, who's got 16 in total, and then you've got Luke Voigt with between his time with the San Diego Padres and here with Washington. He's got about 20 in total. You do have guys who are able to move the line. Luis Garcia, he's at about a 290. It's been nice to see Joey Manessis hit a 325. A little bit of journeyman guy that has come in and has been able to do great work. And then Thomas, who I mentioned before, Gilberto Ruiz, Cesar Hernandez, as a member of the Washington Nationals and a member of the Nationals only, Luke Voigt, I'm between about a 250 to a 256. And for the Miami Marlins, they don't have a single healthy player with more than nine home runs right now. It's just completed under sadness. You've got guys like J.J. Blade, Luan Diaz, Gerard Encarnacion, currently hitting below a buck 80. In fact, Charles LeBlanc moved the line, hitting a 275. Joey Wendell's been able to bet at 260, but Garrett Cooper has been in and out of the fold. Then for the Miami Marlins, bullpen has been able to do an okay job, as got guys like Dylan Floro, who have been able to provide a right around about a 3-3 ERA. Stephen Okert is someone I like, Richard Blyer as well. And for the Washington Nationals, bullpen has been able to shape up for the team as well, which is why they have been able to win some of these Anibal Sanchez starts. C.C. Sheck has been a little bit all over the place, but Carl Wirtz Jr., Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, all guys with ERAs that hover in that neighborhood of three. Erasmo Ramirez, he's got a 3.03 ERA and has really been an innings eater for this team with a sub-2 ERA over the last three days, throwing about 14 innings in that time span. So I do think that you're going to be able to get a respectable performance here out of Washington. I think Miami wins a game. I set them on the money line about a minus 170. With the way that the Miami Marlins offense is going, though, you can't rely upon them being able to win by multiple runs. I'm seeing plus one and a half runs for the Washington Nationals at a plus 120. I was willing to lay up to a, a minus 122. I would rather take the run and a half at minus 122 rather than lay a big chalky money line with the Marlins just because I think that there's no chance whatsoever that they cover this run line and taking a run and a half has actually been very profitable this year in baseball. You saw all the one run games in the MLB on Friday. So I'm going to take a run and a half with the Washington Nationals since I did by inserting my total at a 6.4. I think that this is going to be a very low scoring game. So looking at the under and taking a run and a half at minus 120 with the Washington Nationals. 903-904 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider goes for the Bravos and Bailey Falter is on the bump for Philadelphia. 7.5 is the total over his minus 120. The under is even. Minus 230 to minus 240 is the number on Atlanta. Plus $2, plus 210 is your price on Philadelphia. And for Philadelphia, needed at least a plus 228 to fire in on that money line. If you're checking out the run line of the Atlanta Braves, that's at minus 110. I was willing to go up to a minus 122. Spencer Strider is registering just under 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been magnificent all season long. And the one concern I had about Spencer Strider was the walks. Towards the beginning part of the season, he was registering about three and a half, four walks per nine innings. He has shaped up on that front recently as he has given up a combined five walks in his last four starts and has really done a good job 
going out there giving up six runs over the course of his last five starts. And for that matter, he has given up one run or fewer in six out of his last eight starts. Spencer Strider has been absolutely magnificent at home at 223 ERA, 325 on the road and at home. Two home runs surrendered in 64 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, Bailey Falter, he hasn't been bad. 380 ERA, that's competent, but... You take a look at the last four starts he's had. He went up against the Arizona Diamondbacks on the road, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Miami Marlins twice, which is why his numbers look very good in this time span. He has given up a combined seven runs in those last four starts, going at least five and a third innings in every one of them. Now it's a big step up in competition, and that is not necessarily too great for Bailey Falter. When he's been on the road, he's posted up a three ERA once again, going up against lesser competition. And even against this lesser competition, he's given up about 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Now with the Philadelphia Phillies, the bullpen is a little bit more fortified. They get back Sir Anthony Dominguez, who has had his issues throughout the past week or so. Brian Hand has been able to do a very solid job along David Robertson. They're both posting up an ERA that is a sub-250. Andrew Bellotti has impressed me a bit, but the Atlanta Braves, they've got the better bullpen. Rossi Iglesias has been tremendous. Now, you want to avoid Kenley Jansen. He's been terrible, but Tyler Manzik, AJ Minter, they've been able to do it all season long. With Minter really posting up right around a 2 ERA, but you take a look at the entirety of the Atlanta Braves lineup, and they outgun the Philadelphia Phillies. Ronald Cunha Jr., about a 350 on base. Austin Riley's in that neighborhood as well, but for Riley, Dansby Swanson, Travis Arano, William Contreras are all in between about a 265 to 280. Riley, 35-plus home runs. Matt Olson has had a tough time getting on base, but he's got north of 28 home runs. Michael Harris, the second, has been a magnificent, hitting above a 300 whenever Von Grisham's been out there. He's moved the line as well, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber between 38 and 39 home runs, but only about a 2 15. You do have Bryce Harper, Alec Bohm, Gene Skirr, all hitting above a 285, and JT Muto since the beginning of the month of July, best hitting catcher in the big league. So I do think that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be able to get to Spencer Strider a little bit, but I trust in the Braves being able to hit Bailey Falter relatively hard. I set my total at a 7.8 because I do think that the Braves are going to put up runs on the board. So looking at the over and with the Atlanta Braves, was willing to lay up to a minus 120 on the run line. So we're going to be looking at that run line. 905, 906 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the red face off against the New York Mets. Jacob de Grom goes for the Mets, and you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo is going to be going for the Pirates. Apparently, Bugmaker 6 that you do mess with Mr. Johan because... The Pirates are between plus 360 and plus 375 underdogs. Anywhere between minus 430 and minus 450 is the number on the Mets. 6.5 is the total. Over is minus 120. The under is even. The run line of the Mets at this point is at a minus 175. And we just have went too far. You can call me a schmuck if you want. And it's very true that I am a schmuck. I was willing to lay about a minus 315 to a minus 320 with the Mets. They certainly should be the favorite. This is just a ridiculous price. And I recognize the last time that Jacob DeGrom went against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates name should have been Hickory because they got smoked. He went seven scoreless innings. He was absolutely masterful. My start for Jacob DeGrom. The team wound up taking a loss, but Overall, when DeGrom's been on the mound, the Mets have been able to have a winning record. You still have lost money if you've bet on every one of these Jacob DeGrom starts because he just has unpalatable numbers. He's given up four home runs and 49 in a third innings. 201 ERA. Strikeout numbers. Absolutely magnificent. Once again, 
numbers getting up a little bit too high because you've got a Mets team that just in general have always had a little bit of a difficult time scoring runs for them. You do have Pete Alonso, who he's been able to do a very good job this year of being able to drive in those runs. 35-plus home runs. He, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Hanna... Throwing their Francisco Lindor hitting between a 265 to 275. Alonso, 100 plus RBI. Lindor giving you 90 plus RBI as well. These guys have been able to do a very solid job. Jeff McNeil has hit above a three air. Luis Galorme, he's been able to move the line. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Brian Reynolds has been able to do a nice job hitting 20 plus home runs. He's hitting in the neighborhood about a 255 to a 260. You got quite a few guys like Cal Mitchell, Ben Gamble, Ridolfo Castro that are starting to move the line a little bit themselves. Oniel Cruz has been able to supply the deep out quite a bit. I believe he's got five home runs over the course of the last 15 days. Jax Wozniski, Yoshi Satsugo, Josh Van Meter, guys like this towards the bottom have not been great, but even Michael Chavis. It's 240. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs himself. And for the New York Mets, bullpen could be a little bit shaky. Adam Anabino, Tommy Hunter have both supplied a sub-3 ERA this season. Seth Lugo plus all-star break. He's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you need some long relief, Chase Young, he's giving you a sub-3 ERA, William Crow has been serviceable along with Manny Benuelos. Both of these guys hover between about a 3-5 or so ERA. And for Juan Oviedo, he has made three starts for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it hasn't been terrible. He's only won nine and a third innings. He's given up four runs. The walks are the issue, as he's been giving up darn near a walk per inning, but he's got a little bit of swing and miss stuff between his time with the Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. Just over nine strikeouts per nine innings, giving up one home run per nine innings. I'm not saying Yohan Oviedo is the next Cy Young Award winner or anything like that, but he just should not be priced at north of a plus 350. This is more or less a play on the number, and I do think that the Pirates scratch across a couple runs after Jacob DeGrom shut him out the last time. I do think that the Mets get to Yohan Oviedo like the last time. They face off against one another, so set my total at 7.3 here at the 6.5. Going to be taking a look at the over, and Schmuck Peterson going to be taking the plus price with the Pittsburgh Pirates. 907-908 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. One Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Cardinals, and Luis Sessa on the bump for Cincinnati. Cincinnati, an underdog of between plus 225 and plus 235, and for St. Louis, going to be getting them between minus 260 and minus 265. Total of 8 overs minus 115. The unders minus 105. And the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals is a minus 125. At current numbers, this is a max I'm willing to lay on the Cardinals run line. I was willing to go up to a minus 128, but I am willing to lay it. I'm going to take a look at overnight numbers as well, because if we get to like a Plus 250 on the Cincinnati Reds. That'll be an offer that I cannot refuse. Jordan Montgomery has been incredible for St. Louis this season. And both teams had to dive into their bullpen with the doubleheader that we got on Saturday. And where the Reds had a bullpen game in general. But you have Luis Sessa starting to provide a few more innings. Hunter Green did not look too bad coming off the injured list. And the top half of the St. Louis Cardinals lineup has been able to do a solid job of moving the line. Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India, pair of guys hitting between about a 262-265. TJ Fridell, Jake Fraley have been solid as well. Donovan Solano is hitting a 290 now. When it comes to guys like Stuart Fairchild, Jose Barrero, Austin Romine, Audi C.D. Sakino, guys hitting a 220 or lower, it can be a little bit tough. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, 
Cardinals. Got a pair of guys in Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. Both doing a great job moving the line. Arenado, 300 batting average, 29 home runs going into game two of that double dip. Goldschmidt, 35 bombs north of a 400 base. Brendan Donovan has been hitting above a 350 when he's been at home. Tommy Edmond, he's done a solid job hitting at 270. Nolan Gorman has fallen out of favor a little bit, but he's able to go deep. Albert Pools is on that chase for 700. He's been hitting above a 300 plus all-star break as well. But for the Cardinals... Ryan Elsley has been tremendous in the bullpen, but the rest of the bullpen does have a little bit of shakiness. Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a rather okay job, but Genesis Cabrera is currently on the injured list. Andre Pallante has been solid as a long relief guy, but also someone that pitches to a lot of contact. Sometimes winds have given up a couple too many walks as well. Packy Naughton as a long guy has been a little bit hot and cold, and Jordan Montgomery, he's pitched a little bit above his head since getting to St. Louis. Since getting to St. Louis, eight starts, 205 ERA has been masterful in terms of not giving out walks. Strikeout to walk rate of a 5. He gets about 8 strikeouts per 9 innings in. For Jordan Montgomery, he's actually done some of his worst work when he's been in St. Louis. You check out his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers. He winds up giving up 6 runs, 4 of which were earned his other rough start since coming over to St. Louis. That was against the Atlanta Braves. He gave up 5 runs in that start. So, a little bit of concern in terms of Jordan Montgomery giving up a few runs when he's been at home, but certainly has been able to do a nice job. But I've been actually impressed by Luis Sesso. Out in the Cincinnati Reds bullpen was not too terrific. A Reds bullpen that, by the way, since the All-Star break, top 10 in terms of ERA. Guys like Buck Farmer, Ian Gabo, Alexis Diaz have been solid with Diaz providing a sub-2 ERA. But Luis Sessa, as he makes more and more starts, has been better and better for this Reds team. He did wind up giving up five runs in his last start against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But two runs are fierce, rendered in four out of his last five starts, going four-plus innings in four of them. So have been impressed by him now giving up the deep ball that is not necessarily too terrific for Luis Sessa. 13 home runs, give it up in 60 innings thus far this season, but 358 road ERA, 724 home ERA. It's a circumstance where right now, I'm looking at the Cardinals' run line, but I'm going to be gauging this overnight. If I could get like a plus 250 on the Cincinnati Reds, sign me up for it. It just winds up getting a little bit too high. Jordan Montgomery, I think he's going to come out, give a good performance. I do think that the Reds get a few runs off of him. Certainly, I do think that the Cardinals get to Luis Sessa as well. post all star break, the Cardinals have been one of the best teams in in terms of batting average in the league. So a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at this 8-over, set my total at 8.2, and at current numbers, looking at the Cardinals on the run line. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Javier Assad goes for the Cubs, and Ryan Feltner is on the bump for Colorado. No totals on this game, as it's a Wrigley Field game. The wind is going to be dictating this. Looks like the wind is going to be blowing out, much like it has the last few days, but hasn't led to runs, as the Cubs are between a minus-125 to a minus-130 favorite. Between plus-110 and plus-120 is the number on Colorado, and with the total I want up setting, I made it a 10.2, because wind is going to be blowing out right around about 12, maybe even as high as 15 miles per hour, so somebody tell a 10.2, 10 or less, looking at the over 10 and a half higher to the under, and I'm going to be siding with the Chicago Cubs just because the Rockies in general posting a 23 and 48 road record and when it comes to the offense they have been hitting about 40 points lower when they are on the road rather than at home and the firepower in terms of the home run ball that winds going down as well about 1.1 home runs per game when in course on the road this goes down to about 0.65 something like CJ Crone for example he's got 28 home runs this season 21 have come at Coors Field Really, their best hitter when they've been on the road, Jose Iglesias. 
He's presently on the injured list. That's not too terrific. And for the Chicago Cubs, they've been dealing with the Wilson Contreras injury, which has been hurting them not just in terms of being able to put up runs, but also behind the plate. But they do have bag Patrick Wisdom. He slugged out 22 home runs. Batting average, leaving quite a bit to be desired. But Alfonso Rivas has been able to do the line. He, Chris Formarell, Jan Gomes, all in between about a 234 to a 250. And then you got a little bit of a younger player, Jared Young, who made a start yesterday. We shall see what he's able to deliver for a team that also has Ian Happ, who's got a 350 on base. Both of these bullpens leave a lot to be desired for the Colorado Rockies. You've got Alex Kalme, who's seen his ERA just continue to go up and up and up. Justin Lawrence, all season long, has been providing about a 435 ERA. Chad Smith is someone that you really don't want to rely upon north of a 10 ERA out of him. And for the Chicago Cubs, Brandon Eagles has been able to do a steady job, but when you get into guys like a Michael Rucker, Manuel Rodriguez, they have not necessarily been too terrific. They were able to save a lot of the bullpen yesterday because Aiden Wesneski, he was able to provide a good solid seven innings, but I do think that with the wind blowing out, both of these pitchers going, it is going to lead to quite a bit of scoring as you take a look at our good friend Javier Assad. The overall numbers are not too bad at 2.53 ERA, but his fielding independent is way more than a point higher because with Javier Assad, over four walks per nine innings allowed, he's got a whip that is hovering around about a 1.4 to 1.5, and yet he's got this super low ERA. He's given up a lot of contact. He's only been gaining eight strikeouts per nine innings. Has been very lucky to get out of the jams that he's gotten himself into. And for Ryan Feltner, 2-8 record, 6-12 ERA, 5 97 road ERA, 627 home ERA on the road. He's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. He has just been getting slugged. So I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to put up some big numbers. Set my total at 10.2. So going to be most likely on and over unless we get a very high total that is north of 10. And with the Chicago Cubs, one to lay up to a minus 133 on the money line. So one to side with them with the Rockies road struggle. Sign 11, 9, 12 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They are on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants as Alex Cobb is going to be going for the Giants. Giants and Andrew Heaney is on the bump for the Dodgers and Jack Jack surprise surprise the Dodgers find themselves once again as a favorite anywhere between minus 160 to a minus 175 plus 145 to a plus 155 is the number on San Francisco eight is the total the over and the under are both at minus 110 and I did set my total at an 8.4 for Andrew Heaney he has been having his struggles when he's been on the road now I will say this about Alex Cobb he has been very good for the San Francisco Giants it has a fielding independent that's right around 0.8 points lower than his actual ERA. Alex Cobb has just had Murphy's Law hit him when he has been on the road, and you're going to notice a giant divide between his home and road splits. Overall for the season, 6-6 six six record, 348 ERA, giving up about .7 home runs per nine innings. At home, Alex Cobb supplying a 234 ERA, 516 ERA on the road with opponents hitting a 304 off of him on the road, 218 at home, and has done a nice job containing the walks, about 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings, a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings, and for Andrew Heaney, I alluded to his road struggles, 312 ERA, but bigger than that, he's allowed six home runs in 26 innings when he's been on the road, so his home runs per nine rate when he's away from home is north of two. Overall, opponents are just a 211 off of him, and the swing and miss stuff has been supreme. 11 plus strikeouts per nine innings out of Andrew Heaney, and he's just flat out backed up by the better bullpen, as for the LA Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell, not a guy that you want to be trusting in whatsoever, but Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, Caleb Ferguson, all supplying a sub-three ERA. Chris Martin, since he's gotten to the team, 
has not been half bad for the San Francisco Giants. And he is a bullpen game yesterday, and it's not a bullpen that has been good to start with. Bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of ERA, Alex Young, along John Brubby, a lot of the guys that were used yesterday are more of your reliable guys. And then you get into Junior Marte, who's got north of a 6 ERA. Tyler Rogers has not been good. Cole Waitis, congratulations to him making the major league roster, but that guy that you want to be trusting in and under in. And for the LA Dodgers, just got all sorts of firepower with this lineup. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, all with 20 home runs. Will Smith with 22. Bond Smith, nearly a 350 on base. Trey Turner sitting above a 300. Freddie Freeman hitting a 330. Mookie Betts, 34 home runs at a 275 batting average. Trey Thompson is sitting above a 275 in his tenure with the Dodgers. So you got so many great bats. Kevin Lux is very nearly hitting a 300. And then for the San Francisco Giants, Jacques Peterson and Theriot Estrada are in between about a 262, 265. And Peterson, 20-plus home runs. Other than Wilmer Flores, you don't have anyone that's hit more than 13 home runs for the team. J.D. Davis has been able to move the line, but overall for the season, he, Evan Longoria, hitting in that pocket about a 240. Got guys like Dom VR, Lewis Brinson that you just expected more out of. So not necessarily the world's greatest outlook here for the San Francisco Giants and for the Dodgers. They've won, I believe, now all but 13 of their games by multiple runs. You're finding them between even money and minus 105 on the run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 110 on this run line, so I'm going to be taking the Dodgers on the run line. I think that he needs probably going to give up a gopher ball, and for the Giants, I think that they're both going to be giving up quite a few runs as well, so set by total at 8.4, looking over and looking at the Dodgers on the run line. At 13-9-14 on the bang board, the San Diego Padres. At the red face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, Ryan Nelson goes for the Snakes, and you Darvish is on the bump for San Diego. San Diego between minus 140 and minus 150 favorites, plus 125 to plus 130. The number on Arizona, 8-8.5 to is the total on the 8. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders between minus 105 and plus 105. And on the 8.5, unders minus 115. The over is minus 105 for Darvish and company. Made the Padres a minus 178 favorite. Ryan Nelson had an ERA that was hovering in the neighborhood of 5 when he was at the minor league bubble. Comes up as a just flat-out magnificent start in his first start of his career against the, ironically enough, LA Dodgers about a week and a half or so ago. I don't think that lightning is going to be striking twice with our good friend Mr. Ryan Nelson because at the minor league level, this guy wasn't even that great. Overall for the season, Ryan Nelson, in terms of a home runs per nine rate, when he was at the minor league level, now granted, he was in the PCL, which is a little bit of a juice ball league, but not too good on that front as he was giving up in terms of home runs per nine, about 1.7, 3.1 walks per nine, doesn't necessarily get a lot of strikeouts, comes out, looks absolutely magnificent against the San Diego Padres and has thrown 13 scoreless innings after posting up an ERA of a 5.43 at the minor league level. Once again, PCL, juice ball league, so that does wind up hiking up the numbers a little bit, but this has been insane. And for the San Diego Padres, and it's been insane how Josh Bell, along with Juan Soto, have come over from Washington and have not been able for the team one bit, but Manny Machado has been a constant for the team, and perhaps going up against Madison Bumgarner is exactly what the San Diego Padres team needed, as you've got Machado who's been able to slug out 28 home runs. He's hitting nearly a uh, 300, and a lot of guys that just do a general job of moving the line as Jerickson Profar, Juan Soto, Drake Cronenworth, Jorge Alfaro, all in between about a 235 to a 245. You've been able to get some good hitting out of Awesome Kim, who's now hitting above a 250. And then Jose Azucar has been hitting in the pocket about a 280 as well for Arizona. You've had Josh Ross really be able to help out a team that all season long has had a tough time being able to reach base as he and Corbin Carroll are in between a 265 to a 275. Stone Garrett has been hitting above a 300 along Jake Cro- 
McCarthy. These guys have been magnificent and had some good home run power in terms of the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Dalton Varsho, Christian Walker, they're combining for about 59 to 60 home runs. You've got guys like Sergio Contra, Carson Kelly, Geraldo Perdomo, guys like this hitting at 220 or lower for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they are in the bottom eight in terms of batting average, but they've been able to pick this up recently. Big problem for the Arizona Diamondbacks is they average about 0.85 home runs per game at home, more like 1.3 home runs per game on the road. It's as if they just can't hit when they're on the road, and on top of that, the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen last 40 days has north of a 6 ERA. That is worse in the big leagues. You've had so many guys. Taylor Widener, Mark Melanson, Keenan Middleton, Caleb Smith, both up north of a 4.50 ERA, really, other than Joe Mantiply. It's been a sad state of affairs, but for the Padres and Bell Crispin, currently on the injured list, that is not helping them out. I do like what you've been able to get out of Robert Suarez. About a three ERA. Craig Salmon is back in the fold. And Josh Hader starting to look better, but Josh Hader still in his time with San Diego. North of a nine ERA, but Hugh Darvish, even though he's got pretty demonstrative home and road splits, he came out in his last start against the Seattle Mariners through eight scoreless innings, and he's been much better on the road recently. Now, overall for the season, Darvish 375 road ERA compared to a 245 ERA at home, but he's actually giving up fewer home runs on a per nine rate when he's on the road. The walks per nine rate is actually better when he's on the road as well. He's just been a little bit unlucky on the balls in play. I do think that Darvish is going to be able to give a dominant performance, and if you're looking at the Padres on the run line, you're going to be getting them at a plus price of plus 115. I was willing to lay a small price, and I did mind saying Matilda at 8.7. I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over with this spot, and with the San Diego Padres, willing to take them on the run line as well. 915-916 on the bang board. It is the Walker, Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey Springs goes for the Rays and Glenn Otto on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being an underdog between plus 160 and plus 170 and minus 190 to minus $2. Seeing a straight minus 180 is the price on Tampa Bay. 7 is the total. Over is minus 120. The under is even. And in terms of the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be getting that at a plus 115. And as long as I was getting minus 105 or better, I was willing to be signed up for the Tampa Bay Rays run line as I do think that this is going to be a bit of a higher scoring game. And the big reason why Glenn Otto is just giving up a bunch of automatic bases, giving out the free pass as for Glenn Otto overall this season, north of four and a half walks per nine innings. Now, for Otto, he's been doing a significantly better job on the road than at home. 368 road ERA, six and a home ERA, giving up several runs in 66 innings when he is on the road. And we know that the trap, it is a little bit more pitcher friendly. And in his one start against Tampa Bay this season, Otto allowed two runs, one of which was earned. So, good track record there. But Jeffrey Springs, who was actually a bullpen piece a few seasons ago for Texas, he has been dominant at home. Buck 80, home ERA, giving up six home runs in 50 innings. He has been holding opponents to a 218 batting average, and the swing and miss stuff is there for Springs as well. About 9.6, 9.7 strikeouts per nine innings over his last five starts has been darn near unhittable with a 205 ERA. When he went up against Texas first time around, gave up two runs in the course of five innings when he was just getting acclimated to being a starter, and he's backed up by an amazing bullpen as JT Jerguas has come off the injured list and has been relatively solid, but Pete Fairbanks, Brooks Rayleigh, Jason Adam, all posting up a sub-3 ERA have really been the main guys, and then you've got a lot of middle relief, even though the Rays had to dive into their bullpen a little bit yesterday, that have been able to do a very competent job. And then, for the Texas Rangers, Matt Moore and Brock Burke have been terrific out of the bullpen. Both of these guys supplying a sub-250 ERA, but when you get into guys like Adana Santana, who did wind up pitching yesterday, that's not been too great. Jose Leclerc has been a little bit all over the place. Brett Martin, north of four ERA, but when it comes to the lineup of the Texas Rangers, you got Josh Jung, who has some upside. He's already hit a 
few home runs since coming up to the big league level, but at the top, Corey Seager, 30-plus home runs, think about a 245 Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, both guys supplying about a 250 batting average, both guys 23-plus home runs out of them, Nate Lowe, north of 20 home runs, and a 300 batting average, so lots of good measures there, and then Matt Mathias has been able to about a 300, Bubba Thompson, Laody Tavares sitting between a 272 and 280, has been terrific, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, they might have a little bit of something, and Mr. Jonathan Aranda has been able to move the line, hitting above a 300 and limited at bats. And speaking of hitting above 300, Harold Ramirez has been able to do that. Yandy Diaz, Manuel Margot are hitting in that neighborhood about a 290 to a 300 with Yandy Diaz supplying a 400 base. Now, power is lacking with the Tampa Bay Rays. You've got only two guys with north of 10 home runs this season in Randy Orozarena who's hitting about a 265 at Isaac Paredes who's only been hitting about a 215 to a 220 as he, Taylor Walls, a few other guys like Jose Ziri have had a little bit of a tough time moving the line, but I do like this Tampa Bay Rays bullpen. I think that they are going to be able to get to Mr. Glenn Otto as well as now the Rays have been able to do a much better job of just being able to play station-to-station baseball, which is why I do like the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, was willing to lay a very small price, getting a plus price. That appeals to me. I don't think that Otto is going to be long for this game with his lack of command, so looking at the over as well. 9-17, on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox. They are on the road facing off against the Detroit Tigers. It is Drew Hutchinson who is going for the Detroit Tigers for the White Sox. It was looking like it was going to be Michael Kopech, and now it is going to be Johnny Cueto, and White Sox between a minus 160 to a minus 165 favor between plus 140 and plus 150 is the number on the Tigers, and your total on this game is 8 over and under are both at minus 110, and with the Chicago White Sox, I wound up setting them as a minus 172 favorite, and was willing to take the run line if it was a minus 105 or less, and Right now with that White Sox run line, we're finding it more in the neighborhood of about a plus 110. So I'm going to be willing to take that plus price as I do think that they're going to be able to get to Hutchinson in this circumstance with Hutchinson. He's done a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up 1.1 home runs per nine innings. But very concerning is the 3.6 walks per nine innings. And for Hutchinson, despite the fact that he pitches in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in Detroit, 464 home ERA, 369 road ERA. He's actually given up more home runs per nine innings when he's been on the road than at home. But... Opponents hit a 296 off of them, and this is a White Sox bunch that they have the best road batting average in the league, as you've had Luis Robert really be in and out of the fold all season long, but he was able to return to it yesterday as he and Andrew Vaughn both hit in the pocket about 285 to 290, and all these guys in Vaughn, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, really between 13 and 16 home runs this season with Jimenez. Jose Abreu, both hitting above a 300. Elvis Andrews, since he's gotten to the White Sox, has really been hitting. Hitting above a 300, not a lot of power with him, but does a good job being able to move the line. And for the White Sox, it's a formidable bullpen. They got Davis Martin to turn six good innings for them. They did have to use up, you know, the Lopez, Kendall Graveman yesterday, but Liam Hendricks has been amazing for this team. Jimmy Lambert, a failure as a starter. He's posted up right around a three ERA out of the bullpen as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, we have seen this bullpen start to regress ever since the beginning of the month of August. They've got north of a 450 ERA. They rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in bullpen ERA in that time span as Will Vestes not been too terrific along with Alex Lang now both posting up north of a north of 350 ERA. You've had Gregory Soto have his regression as well. Daniel Norris has not been good in the bullpen though. Andrew Chafin has been able to do a solid job and when it comes to the Tigers lineup, there's just no trusting in it. You've got so many guys like Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Ryan Kreidler, Akil Badu, 
Cody Clements. You're able to go down the list. Spencer Torkelson hitting a 220 or lower. You've had Avi Bias being in and out of the fold. He wanted missing yesterday's game as he's not been good out there in the field either. Though I will say Kerry Carpenter, Riley Green, both hitting between about a 250 to 255 and Victor Reyes. And Harold Castro hitting in that pocket about a 265, but no power whatsoever with the Detroit Tigers. White Sox, they rank in the bottom seven in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, while the Tigers, they are dead last. And for Johnny Cueto, his fielding independent and his ERA do not necessarily match up, but I don't think that he's going to see a lot of negative regression against a Detroit Tigers team that they've just been pitiful all season long in terms of bats. And Cueto has been terrific on the road. 230 road ERA, 389 ERA at home, giving up five home runs in 70 and a third innings when he's been on the road. He has seen his ERA go upwards recently. 425 ERA in his last five starts with the team going 2-3, and three, but he has dominated the Detroit Tigers this season in his one start against them. Eight scoreless innings. I think that he's going to be able to sign me the Detroit Tigers once again. I do think that the White Sox get to Drew Hutchinson along with the bullpen that is starting to just get tired out in general with the way that the starting pitching lineup for the Detroit Tigers has been a turnstile all season long. So, willing to take the White Sox on the run line. Did mind saying my total more around an 8.3, so willing to take the 8 over as well. 919, 920 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta goes for the Sox and Chris with a K. Bubich is on the bump for the Royals. 9.5 is the total. The overs between minus 110 and minus 115. Unders between minus 105 and minus 110 with the Sox. They're between minus 195 and minus 180 favorites. Between plus 165 and plus 177 is your number on Kansas City. And if you're checking out that run line of the Boston Red Sox, getting it mostly at even money. I'm seeing a straight plus 105, but in terms of the money line, I set the Red Sox minus 187, but was willing to take minus 102 or better, so getting between even money and a plus 105, I'm going to side with the Red Sox run line. I mentioned it while we were chatting with Justin Perry. The Kansas City Royals are set 7-1 in Brady Singer's last eight starts. All other starters in that time stand 7-23. And, and many of those starts from Chris with the K. Bubich, who has just been lighting your money on fire. If you've been betting on him, the team has lost each out of his last four starts, and they've lost every one of them by multiple runs, as he has been terrible, giving up three-plus runs in all but one of those starts. He has given up at least two home runs in three out of his last four starts. 5.55 ERA on the road, 5.31 on the road, and when it comes to Chris with the K. Bubich, when he's on the road, he's given up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings with opponents taking a 307 off of him, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Good news is, you do have Don Coleman and Scott Barlow that are both fresh rested. They've got sub-3 ERAs, but Anthony Machevich, Colin Snyder, Luke Weaver, Amir Garrett, all posting up north of five ERAs, and Red Sox should not talk, because post-all-star break, they've got the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Jurisic Familia was an albatross, so they DFA'd him. Caleb Ort, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Edward Bazzardo, they're all posting up north of five ERA, though Garrett Woodlock has been solid in long relief. John Schreiber, about a two ERA, but with the Red Sox, what they do have is a very solid lineup. They didn't show their might yesterday, but you do have Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, Rafi Devers, hanging between about a 275 to a 285 with Devers, 25 plus home runs. Need a little bit more power as Trevor Story has been in and out of the fold. He, Tommy Pham, have been able to supply about 16 to 17 home runs this season. Pham has been hitting a little bit above a 250 since getting to Boston. Do have a couple guys like Yu Chang, Kike Hernandez, the catcher spot in general towards the bottom that has been a little bit tough for the Boston Red Sox, but also with the Kansas City Royals. You've got two guys, Salvador Perez, Bobby Wood Jr. They've both been able to supply between 20 and 21 home runs, and they're both hitting between about a 245 to 250, but when you get down to 
near the bottom of the fold, you've got guys like Nick Prado, MJ Melendez and company that have had a little bit of a tough time getting on base. They do have Ed Olivares back in the fold. He's been able to hit above a 300. Nick Eaton, he's starting to find it as well with Nate Eaton. He's hitting about a 257 along with Vinny Pescantino, who is fresh off the injury list, but both of these bullpens don't necessarily appeal to me. I set my total at a 9.6 as a result. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, but with Nick Pavetta, I do think that he's going to be able to turn out a little bit of a better start. He has been having shakiness at home this season, but with Nick Pavetta, still does a solid job. will be able to get swings and misses about 8.4, 8.5 strikeouts per nine innings with Pavetta, 478 home ERA, 384 ERA on the road. And the deep ball has been hurting him quite a bit, giving up about 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but still does a solid job of being able to get some swings and misses. The walks per nine rate, a little bit north of three, could wind up using a little bit of help there, but I do think that for the Kansas City Royals, they're going to get another terrible start out of Chris with the K-Boobich, which is why I do think that the Red Sox are going to clobber him, which is why I do like this total over couple with the run line of the Boston Red Sox. 921-922 on the betting board. It is the Baltimore Orioles on the road facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alex Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. Eight is the total, the over, and between minus 105 to a minus 115, and the same goes for the under as well with Toronto and between minus $2 and minus 180 is their price on them. So a little bit of a range there. And between plus 165 and plus 177 is the number on Baltimore. And when it comes to Baltimore, I did need at least $2 to be able to fire in on them. Alec Manoa has been incredibly impressive. And this just appears to be the last stand for the Baltimore Orioles. Credit where credit is due on an amazing season. But with the Blue Jays, you're finding them plus 110 on the run line, and I'm going to be willing to take it. I was willing to lay a small number on the run line. I think Alec Manoa comes out and gives a good start. Heck, he gave a good start the last time out when he was dealing with a little bit of a dummy bug against the Baltimore Orioles in their last start a few days ago, and for Alec Manoa, home and road, he has been rock solid, and the big reason why, he just doesn't walk a lot of guys. About 2.2 walks per nine innings this season as Manoa's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Actually has a little bit of a higher home area than a road area. 266 area at home, 223 on the road, but still, opponents are a buck 97 off of him, and for the Baltimore Orioles, bullpen has been magnificent. Felix Batista, CNL Perez, Joey Crebiel, throw in there, Dylan Tate, all these guys posting up a sub 3-2 ERA. Keegan Aiken in long relief has been able to do his job as well, but with Dean Kramer. I feel like he's been very lucky all season long. He has now given up three plus runs in each out of his last two starts. The game against the Blue Jays, that actually wound up being super long relief, which I was a little bit strange, but he's given up just seven home runs at 99 and two-thirds innings, despite being not so much of a strikeout guy. Only about 6.4, 6.5 strikeouts per nine innings. 351 ODR, he given up four home runs in 51 and a third innings, despite opponents seeing a 259 off of him. Now, what he does a good job of not giving out walks, about 1.9 to two walks per nine innings, and it's an Orioles lineup that is very balanced. Anthony Santander has been the main guy in terms of going deep with 27 home runs, but Santander, Austin Hayes, Ryan Moncastle, Adelie Rushman, only between about 243 to 254, throwing the Ryan McKenna and Roman Urias, hitting about a 240, and then Cedric Mullins at the leadoff spot, hitting a 265. He's been able to go deep quite a few times as Mullins and Austin Hayes between 14 and 15 home runs apiece. Ryan Moncastle has been a little bit cold post-all-star break, but he's been able to supply 22 home runs, and then Mullins and Orias Mateo, both ranking the top five in the American League in terms of stolen bases, but the Blue Jays have been a top five bullpen in terms of ERA post-all-star 
break as well. Anthony Bass has been a good addition for the team. Tim Meza, Yimmy Garcia, the closer, and Jordan Romano. All these guys posting up a sub-3 ERA. David Phelps has impressed me. He's got right around 275 as well. Adam Simber has been able to give you some solid innings. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they've got more power and very good balance, much like the Baltimore Orioles as well. As Matt Chapman is now up to 26 home runs. He, Boba Schiff, Flag Guerrero Jr., all these 24 home runs. And then George Springer to Oscar Hernandez between 20 and 21 home runs apiece of all these guys. The only guy hitting below at 257 right now is Chapman, who's got a 325 on base. So that's been incredibly impressive. Alejandro Kirk hitting at 295. They've been dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Lourdes Gurriel, but they still have guys like Remy Tapia that do a good job of being able to move the line. I think that Alec Manoa going to be able to do a solid job, but I think that Kramer, just with the amount of contact in general that he allows, he's doing for a little bit of negative regression. I'm going to be willing to take the run line of the Toronto Blue Jays as a result. I think that the Orioles are going to be able to scratch across a few runs as well. I set my total at 8.4. Not necessarily a super good hitter's park, but certainly not a pitcher's park either. It's a relatively neutral park. Set my total at 8.4. I think both teams get some runs up on the board, so looking at the over and looking at the run line of Toronto. 923-924 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Cleveland Guardians as Joe Ryan on the bump for Minnesota and Cody Morris goes for the Guardians and the Guardians are in a pick'em game. You're finding both teams anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 110. I'm seeing a straight even money price on the Cleveland Guardians as well with 8 being the total. Unders between minus 110 to a minus 115. The overs between minus 105 to minus 110. And with the Guardians, I did make them a minus 132 favorite. We were talking about this with Justin Perry. I want to be banking on this Guardians bullpen, which is number one in the big leagues post-All-Star break as Emmanuel Claus, say James Karinczak. They're the best 8th and ninth inning duo in baseball. Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven. They're posting up a sub-3 ERA with Blount and Yelde Los Santos. All these guys have been magnificent. And for the Minnesota Twins, they just don't have quite as much depth in terms of their bullpen. Josh Winder in game number two was unable to go a full five innings, which means that guys like Giovanni Morin, Joran Duran, they're in this game a little bit more tired. The Twins have been a relatively league average bullpen this season. Michael Former or a Lopez have been able to give them a little bit more depth than I guess if needed, you can go with Derek Rodriguez. That's a little bit more of a long guy. I would not want to go there at all. So that is a bit of an issue for this Minnesota Twins team in general. And what is a bigger issue, in my opinion, is that Joe Ryan, who's been a rock-solid starter at home for the team, has not been able to duplicate that on the road. Joe Ryan overall for the season, 11-8, ERA, but 285 ERA at home. 5.36 ERA on the road, giving up on the road nearly two home runs per nine innings. On the road, he only gives up about 2.8-ish walks per nine innings, but opponents hit 80 points better off of him. And then for Cody Morris, he did not throw more than 61 pitches in a minor league start all season long, so... The Guardians are having to ramp him up out of necessity due to all the injuries that the rotation has taken in. He's made three starts. He has won four innings or fewer in every one of them, but he's done his part, giving up four runs, three of which were earned in nine and two-thirds innings. He has given up a pair of home runs, and the walks are an issue. He's been giving up eight walks in those nine and two-thirds innings, but he is a little bit more of a strikeout guy as well. And once again, with the Guardians, you've got guys like Ace Amentages, Eli Morgan, that are former starters are in the bullpen. And for the Guardians, they are towards the bottom of the league in terms of home runs overall. And especially at home, they are dead last in terms of home runs at home. But you do have a pair of guys at Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor, between 16 and 17 home runs apiece. Naylor is hitting a 260, but Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez... Amid Rosario, Stephen Kwan are all inning at least at 275 for the team and for Jose Ramirez going into game two of that double dip. 112 RBI, 28 home runs. And for the Minnesota Twins, they're missing Byron Bucks 
Jackson and Ori Polanco, but they've got a lot of guys themselves that are able to move the line as Luis Arias has been one of the best table setters in all baseball, hitting nearly a 320. But on top of that, Jose Miranda, Gio Urshela, Carlos Correa, Nick Gordon, all hitting at least a 272 for this bunch. Correa, 20 plus home runs. Now you've got guys like a Gary Sanchez have not been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line. And when they do have injuries, guys like Billy Hamilton, you don't want to be trusting in them whatsoever. But with the Twins, I do think that they're going to be able to get a couple runs off of Cody Morris. But I have a lot more faith in this Cleveland Guardians bullpen, especially coming off of a double dip in which a Minnesota Twins had to use up a lot of arms. So I did set the Guardians minus 132. I'm looking at them on the money line. And because both of these bullpens did get a little bit spent, I did set my total a little bit higher and at 8.1. So looking at the 8 over as well, 925-926. On the board, it is the Oakland A's. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Houston Astros. Framber Valdez is going to be going for the Astros. And Ken Waldachuk is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. And the A's are very sizable underdogs. That's getting them anywhere between plus 295 and plus 305. And for the Houston Astros, it's anywhere between minus 345 to a minus 365. Eight is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And I needed at least $3 to take a shot on the Oakland A's. We've gotten to plus 305. That is my buy point on the Oakland A's. We're going to take them as the Oakland A's got to Jose Urquidy yesterday, and they were able to put up a touchdown. So the Oakland A's are starting to show a little bit of fight. Here in the month of September, they're averaging more than four and a half runs per game. Now, the batting average for this team has been bad as Chad Pinder, Tony Kemp, Vidal Machin, Seth Brown, they're all in between about a 225 to 235. But Sean Murphy, he's been away north of a 250. He and Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, have a combined 40 home runs for this team. You've been able to get a nice sign of life as well out of Dermis Garcia has been able to hit about a 250 as well. So it's a ace team that they're looking to wreck the apple cart and they did wind up getting Cole Irvin to go seven plus innings yesterday. So that preserves quite a bit of the bullpen as there's been a lot of usage from AJ Puck along with Sam Maul, both of these guys north of a four ERA plus all-star break after being very solid. Pre-All-Star break, Domingo Acevedo has been able to lend some solid innings, posting up about a 350 ERA. When you get to guys like Tyler Sear and company, it's not great, but Joel Piamps, I feel like, is a good addition to the bullpen. And for the Houston Astros, they do have the best bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues, as Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, all these guys posting up a sub-250 ERA, and then you've been able to get some good innings out of other guys like a Phil Maton, Ryan Presley, Hector Neris, all these guys are doing a great job in terms of their part. And for the Houston Astros, you still have a lot of firepower in the lineup. We saw that with Jordan Alvarez. I believe that he's now at five home runs over the course of his last five games. In a 300 once again, Jose Altuve coupled with Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker all been able to supply at least 20 home runs as well. Altuve hitting a 285. Alex Bregman 375 on base. Tucker 27 home runs. Chaz McCormick has been able to pick it up a little bit and you've got Christian Vasquez hitting a 275 as well but I do think that with the Oakland A's they're going to be able to get something out of Ken Waldachuk. Waldachuk was solid at the minor league level pitching for the Aviators out here in lovely Las Vegas. He's come up to the big league level and he hasn't embarrassed himself. He did give up five runs in his last start against the Texas Rangers, but gave up three runs in five and a third innings against the Atlanta Braves. Went on the road against Washington in his first career start. Gave up one in four and two-thirds innings. Command can sometimes be a little bit suspect with him, but he does a relatively solid job getting swings and misses. We've seen that in his first few starts. 14 strikeouts over the course of 15 innings. Five walks in 15 innings, relatively to be expected with him. He's probably going to give out about three walks per nine innings. And for Framber Valdez, he has won six plus innings, and I believe now 20 
24 straight starts. It has been absolutely incredible. He's coming off of a complete game shutout against the Detroit Tigers. He does very much pitch to contact. Now, I will preface this with the fact that he has been getting a lot of strikeouts recently as he has punched out at least eight in each out of his last four starts and five out of his last six. So the swing and miss stuff has gotten significantly better. But he also does leave himself a tad bit vulnerable with giving out over three walks per nine innings. So if there is an issue with him, there's that. And he's been a little bit lucky on balls in play. He's given up nine home runs in 79 and two-thirds innings. That's 0.45 home runs per nine innings. Even the best of pitchers, you're getting a little bit lucky. And he does have a 321 home ERA compared to a 205 road ERA. Certainly, Framber Valdez deserves to be a big-time favorite. Giving me north of $3 here with the Oakland A's, though. It's just an offer that I can't refuse. Once again, much like I am a schmuck for taking the Pittsburgh Pirates with a plus price, I am the schmuck that's going to take the Oakland A's here, getting this mono number. Set my total at some point six as well. think that it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Wolchuk gives a relatively okay start. So I'm looking at the under, and I'm looking at the A's getting the massive number. 927-928 is the DK and Pick the Seattle Mariners are on the road facing off against the LA Angels. Reed Detmers goes for the Angels, and Marco Gonzalez is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle, a minus 110 favorite, and you're getting the LA Angels between even money and minus 105, 8.5 is the total. The over is between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is between even and minus 105. DK Nation pick is on the LA Angels, who are a bottom making a minus 129 favorite because Reed Detmer, since going down to the minor leagues, has actually been relatively solid. And for Marco Gonzalez, I just can't trust this guy. And the big reason why I can't trust him, Marco Gonzalez, is that he's got a fielding independent that's nearly a full point higher than his ERA. Marco Gonzalez has done a little bit of a better job of not giving out walks recently, but you just take a look at Marco Gonzalez's overall numbers. 389 ERA, and he actually leads American League starters in terms of losses, but a 494 fielding independent. He's got somehow, some way, an ERA below four, despite the fact that he's only getting five strikeouts per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine innings, and he's giving up 1.4 bombs per nine innings. And Marco Gonzalez has seen himself pitch significantly better when he's been at home rather than on the road. 336 home ERA, 459 ERA on the road. Seattle, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and when he's been on the road, Gonzalez has been paying for his sins with over a home run and half per nine innings surrendered in for Reed Detmers. He has been able to pitch very well recently. His strikeout numbers way up from the beginning of the season and I do think that you need to throw out a little bit of the earlier part of the season which includes that no hitter that he wound up throwing as well because in that no hitter I think that he had something like two strikeouts in that one as well and for Reed Detmers he's been better at home than on the road. 356 home ERA. A 413 ERA on the road and at home he has been giving up the deep ball a little bit. 1.3 to 1.4 home runs per nine innings but he is going up against a Seattle Mariners team that I think many would be surprised to know. They have the worst batting average in the American League post-All-Star break, which I do find to be a little bit wild, and for Detmers, he himself has had some struggles recently, giving up four-plus runs, and now three out of his last four starts, but you date things back since the beginning of the month of July, because he did wind up spending a little bit of a stint at the minor league level along the way. 295 ERA, strikeouts per nine rate, it is now north of 10. Opponents are hitting about a 250 off of him in that time span, but he's allowed just two home runs, and that's a kryptonite of a Seattle Mariners team in which you do have a trio of guys that are able to supply at least 23 home runs, and Eugenio Suarez, Julio Rodriguez, and... 
Cal Raleigh, but with Cal Raleigh, he's someone like a Dylan Moore, throw in there, Abraham Toro, Carlos Santana, these are guys hitting a 225 or lower, and for the LA Angels, they've been able to play significantly better recently because the top of the lineup has been solid. Now, when you get into guys like Kurt Suzuki, Joe Adele, Andrew Velasquez, it's not necessarily what you want, but in terms of the LA Angels getting home run power out of Mike Trout, it's been absolutely magnificent. He entered into yesterday with 36 home runs, and he had homered at home in five straight games. He had 12 home runs since coming out the injured list, most in the big leagues in that time span. Joey Otani has been able to give you right around 34 to 35 bombs. He's hitting a 265 Luis Ranifo, Taylor Ward in between about a 265 to 275. Matt Duffy has been able to 250 as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, Unquestionably, this has been one of the best bullpens in the big leagues all season long. Andres Munoz, Ben Murphy, Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson, all providing a sub-3 ERA. Matt Brash, since he went into the bullpen, he has been good. But for the LA Angels, they found some guys like an Andrew Wands who has been able to provide good innings. Jimmy Harrigan, a sub-3 ERA. Jose Quiata has been a little bit up and down, but he's been able to do a solid job out of the bullpen as well. Zach Weiss, I think, has some upside. He has not a lot of single run. It is five appearances thus far, so I do look at the Angels and... I like the way that Reed Detmers has been rolling since he got recalled from the minor leagues. Marco Gonzalez is doing for some heavy regression. Gets no strikeouts whatsoever. I think that the Angels are going to be able to get to him. I did set the Angels as the minus 129 favorites a DK Nation pick on the Angels money line. So I told it 8.3 as well. LA, a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. I do think that Detmers stymies the Seattle Mariners in this position as well. So looking at the under and the DK Nation pick is on the Angels. So we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the board. The New York Yankees. If they're going to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers, Jason Alexander, no, not George Cassandra, uh, is going to be gone for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Garrett Cole is on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees between minus 170 to minus 175 favorites, plus 150 to plus 160. The number on the Brewers, 7.5 is the total. Overs between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders between even a minus 105. Yankees run line is at a minus 105, and I was willing to lay up to a minus 120. This is just purely a fade of Jason Alexander because I think Garrett Cole is a little bit overvalued for the New York Yankees. He's been posting up north of the 3-5 ERA on the road, and on the road this year. Garrett Cole has been giving up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but he still has those masterful strikeouts, a little bit over 11 punch-outs per nine innings, and he is going up against a lineup that might be able to get him a little bit, because with the Milwaukee Brewers, trio of guys with at least 25 home runs this season, William Thomas, Roddy Tellez, Hunter Renfro, but for the Brewers, one of these are probably going to be solo shots, because they don't have a lot of guys that are able to move the line. Christian Yelich, along with Mike Barrasso, hurrying between about a 255 to a 260. Andrew McCutcheon, he's been able to about a 240 for the same Colt Wong sitting about a 245 and just have a lot of that throughout the lineup. Jace Peterson has been able to 250 and for the Yankees, it's been unquestionably Aaron Judge having to carry the mail for the seam all season long. Josh Donaldson, a home run in back-to-back game. Someone call the papers because he, along with John Carlos Stanton, as well as Oswaldo Cabrera, they're in between about a 205 to a 225. Kyle Agashioka, Marwin Gonzalez are just complete dead bats. Aaron X is someone that you don't want any part of, but for San, he has been able to supply 25-plus home runs. I like what Glaber Torres has been able to do for this team. 21 bombs, hitting a 245, but the Yankees pitching, I do think, is going to be able to step up, and with the Yankees, they're still second in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. We have seen Clay Holmes regress quite a bit the second half of the season, but he, Ramon Adakio, Clark Schmidt, in a Yankees uniform only, Lou Trevino, all these guys are posting up a sub-3 ERA, as well as Lucas Lucian. Jonathan Wise, who is terrible, 
at the beginning of the season for the New York Yankees has been far from terrible recently. Over the last three days, a buck 32 ERA. So it's been a very good time for the New York Yankees as well. So even though Gary Cole has his struggles on the road, they've got his back in. Let's dive a little bit more into our good friend Jason Alexander. It's not backed up by the world's greatest bullpen himself, Devin Williams. He's posting up a sub-2 ERA, but you do also have guys like Hobie Milner, who in the second half of the season has posted up north of a 5 ERA. You've had your struggles with Brent Suter. I will say Peter Serzelski has posted up a sub-4 ERA. That's been solid. But for Jason Alexander, this is just exactly what you don't want in a pitcher. He gives up about 1.3 home runs per 9 innings. His walks per 9 rate is above 3.5. His strikeouts per 9 rate is below 5.5. At home, he's given up a 5.22 ERA. There is no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Opponents hit a 3.08 off of him. For the New York Yankees, all of a sudden, the lineup has looked a little bit better, scoring pretty much 4-plus runs in out of their last 15 games, I believe now 10 of them. They had entered into the series with an 8-2 record in their last 10. They've seen a little bit of regression since coming to Milwaukee. I think that this is going to be a bustle out of this funk. I do like the Yankees up to a minus 184 on the money line. I personally, I'm going to take the minus 110 run line in. Uh, like we were talking about with Justin, I think that this is a good opportunity for run semi total at 8.3. So looking at the 7.5 over, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now we're part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to Justin Perry of Shock Quality Bets for joining me in the last segment. If you do like to hear him from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at underscore 41 Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.